0: Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter.
1: Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
0: Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out... One hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK.
2: Yo, what's happening, Rush Nation? Welcome to the, I guess, nearly the start of week five. It's Thursday night here in the UK, so middle of the afternoon across the pond. I've just come back from Wembley, that's a lie, it didn't take me that long to get back from Wembley, not four days, but hey, actually, the journey wasn't too bad this year, but big man, are you off to Spurs this weekend?
3: Yeah, I'm off to the, the dirtiest place on earth, <laughs> sorry Spurs supporters, uh, yeah, I'm off to, uh, I'm off to there, they go and to watch uh, Bills versus Jags, or Jags versus Bills, let's get the right order, um, so very excited. If you are going, uh, drop me a DM. Let's up. I'm going to be in bar, bar number eight before the game. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to seeing uh, quite a lot of you. So, um, yeah, it's going to be good fun. I'm looking forward to it. And, yeah, and I'm off to Belfast the next day. So it's a busy, oh. busy time. What are you doing over there? Working or? Work, your... Yeah, work, work trip.
2: Oof. That's going to be a early one. Yeah, very early in the morning. Ah, oh, so. nice. Well, you know, one of those international players. Yeah, it's not really international, is it? It's still UK. <laughs> but well, yeah, you're flying anywhere. Yeah. You get on a plane is basically international unless you land yeah. in the same country, I suppose. But
3: yeah, but yeah, it's um, yeah, it's good. So I'm looking forward to the game. It's gonna be great, and uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing how. Uh, I've not seen Josh Allen alive, so I'm really excited for that. You know, if you've been listening to the show for a few years, you know I'm a big fan. So, uh, and Trevor Lawrence—I mean, I've seen Trevor Lawrence play, but yeah, it'd be nice to to see that duel go on. And uh, yeah, really, really excited to see the Bills. I—they're really starting to look like the real deal, aren't they? After the performance at the weekend against my—I I mean, they didn't just beat Miami; they they really crushed them in every every phase of the game they just destroyed Miami. And you think Miami coming off a 70 point game. Like I'm just really looking forward to seeing that, Uh, you know, this bills team for me, that performance against Miami might be the best performance I've seen in the last two, three years by a team. It was good. Yeah. I just think it was so complete. It was, it was just a complete performance. I think, I don't think because i don't think Miami played that badly I just think that the bills were so so good and I think you know people talking about the 49ers and people talking about the Eagles the bills for me I know I know they've got a loss on their record but wow I mean they looked elite
2: yeah it was uh they almost toyed with Miami at the beginning of the game didn't they and let Miami sort of probe into miami's offense and then Bill's defense was just like right let's stop this and josh Allen can keep going and it was it was impressive to see. It was it was better than Miami's win over Denver because Denver are porous at the moment and, and offer nothing, whereas Miami offer basically everything and then the Bills did everything better and just dominated yeah. the game. My only worry about the Bills is hopefully they have come over with enough time to settle down and get used to the UK times and stuff like that because sometimes at London games, we do see teams yeah. come over and uh, are poor. Um,
3: Well, yeah, I mean, I can think back to the Buccaneers um, a few years ago, right? So I went to uh, training and watched them perform training, if that's what you want to call it. And it was so, it was so, it didn't have any intensity to it at all. It was almost like a walkthrough. And I think a lot of that, you know, the whole thing was they got here very late. They got here literally on the Friday and then came straight to practice and then played the game on Sunday. Um, and the point of that was to apparently was so that uh they you know didn't feel as as tired that they had more time to practice and be with their loved ones, etc. Um, but I, I, they were sluggish, I mean, they were appalling <laughs> against the Panthers. Um, it was it was one of the worst performances I've seen. So, yeah, I, I think you know the Jags have a significant advantage because they've stayed here, haven't they? They've stayed, mm-hmm. they played on Sunday, they've stayed here so they've not just acclimatized but they've had extra time but then the th- flip side of that is they haven't had the facilities that they would normally have um so yes there's the pros of being here and being established and being used to the environment the downside of that is definitely the the fact that they probably haven't had the facilities so it is going to be really interesting um i think it's yeah i think it's going to be a great game it's definitely for me the pick of the games I think it was for me at the start of the season and thinking looking at where the teams are now, uh, it definitely is. I mean, last week's game, you were there. The Falcons offered nothing, uh, <laughs> really. Um, and, I, you know, I think the Titans have a great D, but I'm, I'm, that O isn't really clicking at the moment. So, uh, you know, it, it'd be interesting to see how that game goes. But this looks like a game where you would expect the Bills to win, but I think it could be a bomb and I think you're going to see points on the board i think you could see changes of lead in this game um and i don't think it would necessarily be a huge shock if the jags won it would be a shock but i don't think it would be like a monumental one for the ages because jags were a good team i know they're two and two but and i know they got beat by houston pretty badly but they were very good last week against the falcons i mean not not too much of a surprise but It's going to be interesting to see how they cope, because although they're technically the away team, they are effectively the home team. Yeah, They've dealt with this environment so many times. It's second nature to them. They aren't going to be familiar with it. So I think there's a lot of subplots that are very, very interesting in this game that I'm I'm really excited to see. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a crack. I think it's a real, you know, people sit here and moan about the quality of the London games at times. We've seen that over the years. I don't think people could moan too much about these next two games at the bottom. Because um, even the Titans, I know they're not clicking on offense. That D is pretty, pretty good. And, you know, getting to see Lamar and Zay Flowers, you know, that's a pretty ex- – and, and Mark Andrews. And then getting to see, you know, Hamilton and, you know, some of those players on D, I think it's going to be exciting. And then, you know, you can't ever moan for seeing a player of the quality of – uh, DeAndre Hopkins and and Derrick Henry um, on you know for the Tennessee Titans. I know they're not clicking, but this is the sort of game that they could really turn up for. So I, I think we got two really good games. The Falcons for me were the only team I was really sort of thinking. Yeah, I'm not expecting them to bring too much to the party, and to... <laughs> but London scored a TD in London, so you know let's uh, let's celebrate that.
2: They were terrible. They were so bad.
3: If if, if what you say they were bad, they were, if you exclude the Buccaneers, the only NFC South team to score an offensive touchdown. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Well, I don't know what that says,
3: but (laughs) (laughs) that says the NFC South is all the fact that Baker Mayfield and the Buccaneers are three and one. And they're going to be top of the division through their bye week. Pretty much tells you everything you need to know about really, yeah. the NFC stuff. But, so, yeah,
2: the the Falcons were were woeful. They, it was it was so bad. It, it was it was so so bad. Um,
3: Do you, let me ask you this, right? Because i I've gone on record. I I really like Desmond Ritter, right? I I've always liked Desmond Ritter. For me, he was the pick of the QBs in last year's class. I wasn't having Kenny Pickett. I wasn't having uh, any of the other QBs. The only one I was interested in was it was Desmond Ridder. And I know he's not elite, right? And I'm not sitting here making the case that he's, you know, he should be a pro bowler, but I do feel like the play calling and the offensive scheme is letting him down more than the play itself, but you've watched it live. is? Is that something that you can hang your hat on and say i'm that I'm can be right there, or is it one of those that I've got it dead wrong and actually Desmond Ritter is is absolutely awful?
2: I don't think he's awful, but he was <laughs> he's not career awful he was awful on Sunday, but the first pick was so far behind the receiver that mm. i'm almost i want to say that the receiver was early however he th- to then go out and throw another pick straight away is yeah. regardless of play call should they have tried to est- establish a run there to get rid of his mind back probably but then you can't i think he was just under so much pressure in that moment to not throw a pick he just then through a pick, and I, I, I can't. Was it tipped, or was it?
3: I, I can't remember if it was tipped or not. <laughs> it was.
2: My it trouble is, I, I, I jumped on the train and then watched Red Zone straight after on the train, so my yeah. my, my brain is all like mushed. But the trouble, the Falcons, just it's not even as if this is how bad the Falcons are as an organization right now. Bijan Robinson is generational. And he looks good as a running back for the Falcons, which tells you everything you need to know about the Falcons. You've got one of the best safeties coming from Cincinnati and Jesse Bates. Yeah. And he cannot cover enough field for the Falcons' (laughs) (laughs) DBs. Even Jesse Bates looked bad for the Falcons. And he is a tremendous safety. One of the best in the league. And there's just... they, They have an aura of... Like they've given up. You know, you've got Drake London, who's supposed to be having a sophomore season. Kyle. (laughs) Pitts is just somebody trade for him. Please somebody trade for Kyle Pitts.
3: He is the (laughs) tight end 28. Like he, he is now in droppable range. We're at the point now with Kyle Pitts that if he is on your roster, you probably need to drop him. Yeah. But people won't because he's Kyle Pitts. Now, I will say this about Pitts. I'm gonna defend him a little bit. He's banged up. And it, it's very clear to see that he is not right. He it's very clear to see that he is battling um he's battling some form of leg injury. He's definitely lost some pace, which is why John Lewis Smith is getting more work. But still, if he's injured, shut him down. Yeah, like shut him down. Let him get, let him get healthy. Put him on IR. Do what you do. What you got to do, because this quasi having him out there playing when he's not fit he's not doing anyone any good. And we can make this case for quite a few players in the NFL right now. Um, Joe Burrow springs instantly to mind. I just don't understand this need to continue to play players who, yes, they're generational players, but playing them in a situation that is of absolutely no benefit to the organisation, because you're not even throwing him the ball. Now, if you're throwing the ball to him 15 times a game because he's that important to your offence and he's mumbling through the game, you could sit there and say, yeah, fine. Uh, Someone has said, I, for one, far (laughs) enjoy... I, for one, enjoy watching the (laughs) Falcons face... I'm a Buccaneers fan, you're not alone. Uh, <laughs> you're not alone, Joel. Um, by the way, shout out to Joel. Um Joel uh was on uh NFL Fantasy Live yesterday, um trolling Adam Rank, which I thoroughly enjoyed. So um <laughs> uh, Joel Joel was on the show a couple of weeks ago. If you haven't listened to that show, um go back and listen to it because Joel's one of the best commissioners I and I play in a lot of leagues. He's one of the best commissioners I know in terms of running a league, making it fun. He gives some great advice as to how you can tailor and run a really good league. So if you haven't listened to that show, watch that show on YouTube, do go back and watch it because it is, it is a phenomenal show. But, yes, he was on um, uh, Fantasy and Friends, uh, part of NFL Live on uh, NFL Network. So, yeah, make sure you go check that out because it was very cool to see him and Pete uh, and Tom, uh, who are three guys in that league. Uh, troll Adam Rank, <laughs> and they they'd probably give it to him because Adam Rank is in their league and he's never won their league. I've never won it either. I'm in it, it's my third year, so I, I haven't won it in either of the two years, so I can't sit there and moan. But yeah, it's quite, it's quite funny. Um, but yes, the Falcons, interesting organization. I thought the Pitts pick at the time was a luxury pick. Taking him at four when you had so many needs, um, it's looking more and more that way. And then you've got Drake London, you take him, and they're not utilizing these guys as much as they should be. And it is an interesting point, but I just for me, it's clear that Pitts is injured, so I don't understand why they're playing him because at two and two, they're not out of the division. The NFC South is a is a terrible division this year. It is it is arguably the worst division. I, I'd argue that the AFC South is is worse. You could argue that the Jags probably elevate that division tenfold because it's the Jags. Um, But um, the NFC South, no one's out of that division except Carolina because Carolina are dreadful. Um, So I think if you shut down Pitts because he's not playing, you've got Johnny Smith who's proven that he can carry that load for the short term. Why not just run uh, Johnny Smith? Just put, put Pitts on IR if he needs four weeks or just bench him let him get healthy and then bring him back for when you need him because rolling him out here every week and flying him to London just does not seem like, I don't know. Like to me, it just seems, it just seems idiotic because they're not even using him. Like if they're using him, then I, you can sit there and say, well, they're going to, they're using him because they need to elevate and go through the talent, but they don't, they're not using him. So he's out there running routes doing absolutely nothing.
2: They've, they've got a usage issue in Atlanta for me. They got down early to the Jags, who are, whether they're the home or away team, or the home team, as you said earlier against the Bills, they're the away team, but they will be the home team. There is more Jaguars fans at London games now than there was when I went even last year, well, even last year and the the year before. And they're down early. They have one top-tier receiver in Drake London, and I don't know how many snaps he played the amount of times I look down, and number five was on the sideline when they're down, and in a clear throwing situation, Bijan Robinson's not even lined up in the backfield; he's lined up as a receiver. Drake London's on the sideline. What is happening? Drake London so, isn't
3: injured. So do you? So do you want to know the numbers? I can give you the numbers from the game. I, I, do. Have, With them, I, I have them right here in front of me. B. John Robinson played seventy-seven percent of snaps. So, he ran, yep. he, so uh, Tyler year 25% of snaps. So there was a, a small overlap where both of them were on the field. Drake London ran routes on 89% of plays. Well, so he was out there for 89% of the snaps? Of the offensive plays. He ran routes on 89% of the offensive plays.
2: Yeah, I don't – that's –
3: but he, here's what's more bad. Kyle Pitts was out there on 83%. So he ran Roots on 83% of plays. And got four targets. <laughs> How many times did Drake London target Seven.
0: Johnny ha- Smith
3: was fourth on the team in Roots run. Um, so Johnny Smith, uh, 64% Roots run, got six targets. So... If you look at the targets per route run, because that to me, targets per route run is a really important number. The reason why it's an important number is it tells you, are these players earning targets? Because if a player like people look at the snaps. So I'll give you an example. Uh, Calvin Ridley on this, in this game in particular, <laughs> ran routes a hundred percent of the time, but got two targets. So his targets per route run was 6% of the time he was targeted. Which says that he was used as a decoy runner. He was used... This is Now listen, Kevin Ridley's an elite talent. It's a one-off game. I'm not telling you that Kevin Ridley is a is a permanent decoy runner. But in this game, he was a permanent... He either could not get open, was double covered, but basically was not being targeted at all in this game. 6% of the time he was targeted. Whereas Christian Kirk, who was also out there for 100% of roots run, was targeted 34% of the time with 12 targets. So Kyle Pitts is targeted 13% of the time. Now that's quite, it's not a ridiculously low number, like 6%, but it's not a particularly good number for an elite player like that. Drake London, 22% of the time, that's kind of okay. Like it's not bad, but it's not its not what you're going to hang your head on. The, the biggest problem with the Falcons is they don't run enough plays. They just do not run enough offensive plays. Their time to generate plays is slow. Their clock management is not amazing. It's not terrible. It's not the worst in the league, but it's not great. But they they don't do things like when they're losing games. You don't see the the no huddle. You don't see the the hurry up offense. They're not generating these. Um, they're not generating these these sort of big plays. Like For me, if you if your team is trailing games, if they're not winning games, what you need to do is, pl- is make more plays. You need to have the offense out there making plays. The ways to make more plays, convert first downs, have long drives, dominate the time of possession. But there's also really simple things you can do, and that's things like no huddle. Don't let the defense on the other side of the ball set. The Jags are a good defensive unit. Don't give them time to pick up what they're what you're doing. <clears throat> That's like the key. So, um, so Doug P- Pitts,
2: yeah, he just said, oh, I feel like someone was drunk when noting those numbers. You never saw anyone apart from Bijan playing, which I massively agree with. Like, and and then to go over to the other side, when you said Ridley was a decoy, absolutely a hundred percent. Doug Pederson is the smartest coach out there. On Sunday, he said, I can't number twenty-four for the Falcons. First play of the game, lined up basically in Ridley's chest plate hand on him line of scrimmage and i said to my dad who's not an nfl fan at all i said number 20 i can't remember his name i think he was alabama's cornerback or who did they draft high as a cornerback um, oh gosh anyway he's really good AJ terrell. <laughs> aj terrell that's the fella he's not alabama where did he come from i can't remember where AJ throwing so... anyway aj terrell is is clearly their shadow corner. And, <clears throat> excuse me, he lined up man-to-man coverage on Ridley, first play of the game. Basically, Ridley was never open, was never meant to be open. And the one time AJ Terrell didn't cover Ridley, Ridley got open out through the back, through the end zone, and was just stood there waiting for the football. And yeah. Doug, Pennison, Doug Pennison was like, thank you very much. You know, you know, You haven't executed your game plan, which you were supposed to do. And there you go. It was, yeah. and which, which made Christian Kirk open, which made space for Trevor to run, you know, the, they exploited the Falcons in ways that they shouldn't have been exploited.
3: And I think that's and, the key, right? is understanding that it's under what you've just said there is sort of the nuance when you're looking at these numbers, right? Cause you can share the, you can understand, you get these numbers, you can, un, you can even understand them. But if you sit there and take these numbers too religiously, Without the context that you've just painted there, that Ridley got open early, scored a touchdown early, and therefore basically was running decoy, reach, was taking away the coverage, was being seen as the big threat in this game, so that Christian Kirk was effectively just like, oh yeah, cheers, yep. because they weren't covering Christian Kirk, and because they decided to pick their poison, they decided they were going to guard Christian Kirk, um, guard Calvin Ridley out this game, and the Falcons aren't deep enough to take both out of the game so effectively it was like we'll pick our poison christian kirk hasn't had an amazing season so we'll sit there and we'll let christian kirk get his yards and in some game plans that can work and listen they restricted the the jags to 24 points so to a certain degree the falcons defensive plan minus the ridley touchdown wasn't a bad one like 24 points is not an abysmal defensive performance. They did stop drives. They did stop momentum. The problem the Falcons have is they can't generate any offense. This team does not know how to score quickly, does not know how to get down the field, does not know how to get into the red zone, does not know how to score offensive points. And that is where this team is going to basically be measured because this isn't a new problem. This isn't a oh, well, this is just the 2023 Falcons. Nope, this was the 2022 Falcons. This was the 2021. In fact, it's been the problem since Matt Ryan has left. Um, long story short, And even in Matt Ryan's last year, it was a pretty tell Arthur Smith, since he's been there, has generated not a great deal of offense in this team. And he will be measured this year. And if they don't... I'm not saying they have to win the South for him to keep his job, but he's got to be competitive in the South because it is a poor division. We just saw... New Orleans failed to score ten points against the Buccaneers. We've we've seen Carolina there at zero and four, and with Bryce Young look pedestrian. I think it's a fair uh, a fair thing to say. So you've got a lot of you, you know the NFC South. You've the, your four your four quarterbacks are David, uh, Derek Carr, Baker Mayfield, Desmond Ridder and Bryce Young. I mean, the Falcons have to step up. They have to step up. They have to be competitive. They don't have to win the division, but they have to take it deep. They have to get it to a point where they're competitive in that division. Because if they're not competitive, Arthur Smith's going to lose his job because he is an offensive-minded coach and they're not good on offense. It's the same way that Brandon Staley in in the Chargers is a defensive-minded coach and they are absolutely abysmal on defense. Like, if that's your side of the ball and you're really bad, you're going to struggle to keep your job. Because what's the case? What's the case to keep you? You know, and then you've got head coaches like Todd Bowles. Now, I'm not saying Todd Bowles is doing an absolutely amazing job, but he did win his division last year, even with a losing record, but he did win his division, which ultimately is all you can get measured on. But at least the defensive side of the ball is the good side of the ball. (laughs) Like, at the end of the day... They're winning games because the defense is is great and the offense is functional. And if mm. that's your side of the ball, you will keep your job for a period of time until the pressure gets too much. If you if you as a coach are not winning your side of the ball, that's where question marks come in. So we'll see what happens. We we've talked a lot about the Falcons. Uh, well, you <laughs> know, more so- than I thought we were, but we went into we, yeah. People went to the game and. You
2: know, I think we, all that, sing them. We, you, we, you, and I are uh, pseudo blessed with recording time on a Thursday. We're at that witching hour of the week where you know waivers have run. The early results, sorry, the the results from last week have been talked to death about by every other podcast. So yeah. we get to th- we get to this point of the week where we can basically spitball for an hour talking about football, and it's not not irrelevant, but it's 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 conversation about football as opposed to we're not shoehorned into a space that you know. It's Monday, so we have to talk about waivers or it's, yeah. you know, it's one of those things. Question, Murph, if the Carolina Panthers finish with the number one overall pick, who do you think they select considering where do you think they need help on on with the football?
3: Well, the Panthers don't have a number one, don't have a first round pick. OK, ignore that. Because it's it's currently with the Chicago Bears. So the Chicago Bears right now have the number one and the number two pick in the draft as things stand. (laughs) Oh, that's so sad. (laughs) What makes a good point here? They were touted as a top 10 O-line preseason. So put Heineke in and see if they've got the same issue. I think that's a conversation that they're going to need to have soon. I think they probably wait till the bye week. But I think that's something... Um, that's something, yeah, Rob's just saying as well. We haven't got the first overall pick. Yeah. I, I mean they Carol, I don't have a pick because they've traded up for Bryce Young. I don't want to be too hard on Bryce Young. Look, he's four games into his in his to his career, and let's be honest, he's playing with not a bad set of receivers, but he's not playing with an elite set of receivers either. He's playing with Adam Thielen, who is at the twilight of his career, and DJ Chark, who's coming off an injury, a long season ending injury. So and has a history of injuries. So he's not playing with top tier. He hasn't got an elite receiving talent. He's got decent, but not an elite receiving talent. And then you have, you've got a new offensive coordinator. You've got a new head coach there. You've got a new scheme. It does take time. And there are signs, but the, uh, the thing that Bryce Young has going against him is Andy Dalton went in there and he lit it up. They lost, but on offense, they moved the ball very, very well. And a lot of that was, if you look at their plays, offensive uh, passing plays per game uh, to recognize targets, first two weeks of the season was 31 uh, throws went to uh, identifiable targets. And then when Andy Dalton played, it went up to 57. A part of that was the game script. They were losing all the way through. They were a bit more aggressive. They had Dalton there and they went, right, we're just going to let this rip. It's Andy Dalton. It doesn't matter. And... What I like, and I think we talked about this already, what I like that Houston are doing with CJ Stroud is they've just gone to Stroud and say, look, it's your rookie year. Just go out there, throw the ball a ton. Doesn't matter. We win, great. If we don't win, doesn't matter. It's a it's a learning year. So we're just going to go there and you can just make all your mistakes. It doesn't matter. And do you know what? He's not made any He's thrown 151 times C.J. Stroud this year and hasn't thrown an interception. He has been exceptional. He's been really, really good.
2: That that so, was that was C.J. Stroud's thing. He was the accurate passer coming out of Ohio State. He's come from a college that throws the ball a hell of a lot. But, and so he was Bryce, very Young.
3: but Bryce Young was also very accurate. You know, he, he, and Bryce Young isn't being inaccurate. <laughs> Rob is a Panthers fan, in case he ha- he can't tell. He's saying Bryce Young, unfortunately, also has a bunch of receivers trying to catch the ball with their faces. But, uh, yeah, and and you know, but it, it's fair to say that C.J. Stroud has a better set of receivers. He has Robert Woods, he has Tank Dell, and he has Nico Collins. You'd argue that's a much better receiving core than what Bryce Young is dealing with. But the other thing is, you can just tell that C.J. Stroud has been sent out there to say. Just go have fun, mate. Just go make your mistakes, learn on the job, and I don't feel like Bryce Young has that same remit. I think he he, he has that same remit, but I don't think it's being communicated to him. And I think if the if the, if the Panthers are losing games at the rate that they're losing games. Just go out there and throw the ball a Let him make his mistakes. Let him get acclimatized. If he throws a pick, it doesn't matter. You're 0-4. You're probably not making the playoffs at this stage. Going to Andy Dalton would be a mistake. Just sit there and let him... And I don't think them losing 10, 12, 13 games or however many they're going to lose is going to be a confidence denter to someone like Bryce Young because I actually think it would be good for him. He's come from a Bama program where he's won the Heisman. He's won a lot. He won a national championship. He has to experience losing to a degree to get better. And I think that will fire him. The kind of lead – you've drafted Bryce Young one overall, not just on his spec and his tools, but his leadership. That's what you drafted him over CJ Stroud. You drafted him for the leadership. You drafted him to be the captain, the leader of the offense. To do that, he—you've got to let him take control. I feel like they're playing with him with the handbrake on, and that's what I think the Panthers need to just do. What CJ Stroud's doing—just play with the handbrake off, like it doesn't matter.
2: Yeah, YOLO. Need to be that boomer that says it, but you know he's gone out there with a completely "you only live once" attitude and.
3: He's, th- he's averaged over three hundred yards a game, isn't he? Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's out. You know, yeah, over three hundred yards a game. He's thrown for over three hundred yards a game in, in each of his first four games. Like I said, one hundred fifty-one uh, pass attempts, no interceptions. I mean, that's exceptional in its own right. But yeah, I, look, I think it's too early to rule rule out Bryce Young. But obviously, C.J. Stroud is not helping. <laughs> uh it's not helping his case. Um and then Anthony Richardson as well doing Anthony Richardson things uh as well not really helping. Um yeah. So uh, look, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens going forward with these uh with these teams. But we're in a situation now where the Falcons probably need to start thinking about a change of quarterback and I guess we'll see what manifests over over the next couple of weeks. Um mm. before we get on to some other business there was some things I did want to point out um that happened in week 4. Uh one of them is a guy that you and I talked about quite a lot uh which is Michael Wilson. How good was Michael Wilson on Sunday by the way? He was
2: very good. He was very good. How good was Josh Dobson? <laughs>
3: Oh, I think Josh Dobbs is proving that he that you know he's getting better every every game. But my you know, I did say on a podcast, not this one, but I did say on the podcast, don't I don't think the Arizona Cardinals are as bad as people say they're going to be. Um, I, I think they've got decent offensive weapons. They will move the ball. If they can, if they can stop the leakage of points, they will win games this season. Um, you know, Michael Wilson really, really is getting more and more. Volumes and he's getting more and more routes, which is really, really good. Um, and what's going to get him more is he's getting 14.8 oh, yards per touch, which is Ooh. awesome. Like, if you're doing that, you're getting, you're going to get a lot of work. He scores his first two touchdowns. The first one was lovely with that little knee slide into the back corner. So, you know, we've been talking about Michael Wilson. I've been talking about him on the wave washer. You've got to be picking him up, you know, get him now before. Because for me, he's the clear number two. If it's not clear now, it will be very, very soon. It's not Rondell Moore. It's not, um, you know, it's no one else. It's not the tight ends. The tight end usage is massively fading. You know, Ertz is a safety blanket. His usage was incredibly high because Josh Dobbs, and, you know, I said buy buy Ertz on the waiver wire week one because, you know, he was getting 10 plus targets a game, and he got nearly 20 targets in his first two weeks. But it's clear now that he was getting the ball because Josh Dobbs didn't know anyone on the offense. He'd been there two weeks before, before the season started. So now you've got Dobbs is getting a bit more confident. He's finding his receivers more. He's fine. He's starting to unlock Marquise Brown a little bit. He's starting to get Michael Wilson into the game. And what that means is for someone like Rondell Moore, he's going to take a step back. Rondell Moore is not going to be as much of a feature in this offense. So, you know, the one thing I would say is that, you know, if you haven't been listening, you know, buy in on, on Michael Wilson. I think he's someone who is going to be, if I think he's already the two, but um, if he, if, if no one is a hundred percent sure if he is, he will be very, very soon, especially that 14.8 yards per touch. That that's massive. Um, I want to talk about David Montgomery. Cause there was this start sit on Thursday, whether or not he was going to play on. That was Thursday ridiculous.
2: Night that was absolutely ridiculous. Like he came out as David Montgomery he's not going to play. Then it came out that David Montgomery is going to play. And then David Montgomery played very well.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, and I think I think what the lesson we've learned here is if you were a Jamar, and again, this is another thing that you and I talked about with everyone was overdrafting Jamar Gibbs. Everyone was really hyped up on Jamar Gibbs as the talent. He's a first round uh, running back. People were really drafting him in the second, third round of of drafts this year. And we were like, hold on, David Montgomery's there. They ran a two headed backfield last year. They're going to run a two headed backfield this year. The The difficult thing right now for um, Jamal Gibbs owners is that David Montgomery is the new <laughs> Jamal Williams. That role is clearly David Montgomery's role. Like yeah. that is, and, and if you're the Jamal Gibbs owner, he Jamal Gibbs is Deandre Swift. This is now what we're seeing. Oh. His Jamal Gibbs might be that talent. And he has that talent. I'm not saying he's not talented, but his usage is going to be heavily capped because the way they want to run this, they want a north-south runner who's going to be huge in the by the goal line and huge in the in the red zone and huge inside the ten. On Thursday night football, there were eight carries by running backs inside the ten. David Montgomery got all eight. <laughs> David Venable. Montgomery is the running back you want to own in Detroit. It's not Jamar Gibbs. Not this year. Might change. Might change next year. But this year, it's David Montgomery. And this was the, you know, I don't like to sit here and and say, you know, well, we're right all the time. We're not. We made loads of mistakes. You know, Najee Harris was one I got horribly wrong this year. <laughs> um, saying that, that Jalen Warren is not a thing. He clearly is a thing. You know, we've got that wrong. But David Montgomery was someone that we, we kept saying, he was the one you wanted to buy. It wasn't Jamar Gibbs. Jamar Gibbs was overpriced. And people bought into this rookie. We go all the way back to this group think that we've been talking about since the preseason. Everyone bought into the group think of Jamar Gibbs. He was drafted in the first round, therefore he has to be great. He can be great, but it's all down to how the team use him. Yeah. And we're seeing this. We've seen this with Bijan. Bijan is a top 10 player purely on his talent, not because of his usage. Mm. Jamal Gibbs, unfortunately, isn't that generational talent. He's he's very very good, but he's not that generational talent. So, you know, the the one you want to buy, um, is is David Montgomery. I do have some better news. If you're a James Cook owner, now the biggest issue that we've had with James Cook this season isn't the fact that he's great; it's the fact that he keeps getting all his touches vultured by Latavius Murray, which is really really annoying. <laughs> um, it's so annoying it's not even enough to start Latavius Murray it's literally James Cook gets them all the way to the the inside the five and then it's no touches guys, see you later, cheers, job's done um, yep. changed this week against Miami, when the opposition went up a level, they went to James Cook was only three touches inside the ten, but James Cook did get all of them so maybe there's a change I'm not saying I'm not saying that he's forever more going to be the guy inside the ten, but if you're a James Cook owner, I would be, and I have a lot of James Cook. I'm encouraged by the fact he's finally getting touches inside the ten because he hasn't been getting those touches this season. So um, it's just something to to keep an eye on. Um, at least I don't think he's going to get all the touches going forward, but I do think he's going to get touches inside the ten more often. I still think Latavius Murray is going to vulture him on occasion. It's going to be really annoying. Uh, Is there anything else I want to... uh... Josh Jacobs, if you're really worried about Josh Jacobs, I think he's starting to uh, turn it around. Um, if If you bought in on Josh Jacobs and you're really upset with where it's gone so far this year... He did exactly the same last year. I think there was a graphic. I think they showed it on Red Zone, uh, but there is a graphic in the broadcast that shows that his numbers in 2022 and 2023 for the first four games were almost identical. Um, He gets lucky with a touchdown this week because Devontae Adams did actually score and it wasn't given, which was horrific. I found the officiating this week was appalling everywhere. Like, I just thought it was was as bad as I've seen. Um, There was that hit. Uh, the holding call by Donovan Smith, uh, the stopped the Jets getting a stop on Patrick Mahomes, which effectively cost them the game. We had a helmet to helmet that wasn't called. Um, Devontae Adams scores a touchdown. It's really clear that he scores a touchdown. Like if it's that close, call it as a touchdown and then it can get reviewed, but they didn't call it as a touchdown. So it couldn't be reviewed. And then eventually Josh Jacobs ran it in. So it was lucky for the Jacobs owners that he scored because he shouldn't have, Um, and really unlucky for Devontae Adams, because he should have scored. Uh, But he did get um, a load of high-value touches, and he got a lot more receiving work, which is um, awesome. So I think we're going to start seeing an upward trajectory for um, Josh Jacobs going forward, uh, which was really cool. Um, And then on top of that, if you own James Connor, be really concerned, because James Connor only ran routes 36% of the time which is his season low. So they clearly are going in a different direction for the receiving work. And it's uh I think he got to 38, I believe. Um, and he had more targets than James Conner did. Now, De is not someone you need to own. He's not got a big <laughs> enough role. Don't worry about it. But what it does mean is that James Conner's ceiling is capped. It's capped to his rushing game. He's clearly not going to do enough it, all the receiving work that he looked like he was going to get because there's no show in town, that's over. So uh, slightly annoying um, on that. Uh, I've talked about Wanda Robinson quite a few times, uh, talked about him on Monday. If you haven't picked him up yet, pick him up. Yes, the Giants' offense is poor. I get it, right? But there's only one guy who's going to own the show in targets in in there other than Barkley, and it's going to be Wondell Robinson. He's just going to be the slot guy he's going to get 10 targets a game in a really poor offense. Not going to get you a lot of touchdowns, not going to get you a ton of uh, yards, but he's going to be a really safe PPR play. So pick up Wondell Robinson. Uh, he ran a season high uh 63% of routes. Uh he's coming back from injury, so it, that's uh good to see. Um I um, think Oh, if you have Sean Tucker, you can drop him now. Keyshawn Vaughn has vaulted over Sean Tucker. <laughs> Not that you really want to be owning the number two back in the worst rushing offensive team in the league, but if you do and you own a lot of Sean Tucker, you can cut him now uh, and pick up uh, Keyshawn Vaughn. That would be so under the radar because the usage is just minimal. But, uh, yeah, you can you can make that change. Uh, do, 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 do. I don't think there's anything else. Other than uh, Devon A. Chan. Um, you know, great numbers. Think it's a good time to sell. Oh uh, I think it's a good time to sell him now. I think if you can if you can get someone to pay the King's ransom on Devon on Achan, uh sell him now. We've got um Jeff Wilson coming back potentially this week. If not, it'd be next week. I I think that's a three-headed back. I think his ceiling will be capped. I don't I think we've seen his best games of the season. I still think he's gonna be good, but I don't think he's gonna be where he is now. It's not like a uh puka the cure situation where it's just going to increase or be a, a level for a good period of time i think it's we've kind of seen the best of devon HM. maybe you get this week but i'd be selling him at his premium which is now because i don't think you're going to see this consistent 100 plus yards two touchdown four touchdown games like i just they're not going to happen um their games get harder and on top of that um they 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 will go to more of a committee, but he is getting the work inside the. If you need some selling points on him, uh, he got all the touches inside the ten, uh, and he ran routes sixty seven percent of the time, um, and he's making big plays. So I would I would cash in very very soon because I think I think his peak is now, and I think he'll still be relevant. He's still going to be an RB two going forward, but I think you can get someone to pay up an RB one for him. I think you could you could easily, or a top wide receiver, I think you can get a premium for him right now.
2: Okay. Murph, you talked a lot about selling just then. Let's talk about some buying. That's it, okay. Rush Nation. It's time to talk about Manscaped. Now, Murph, question for you. You're going away on Monday. You and I are lucky enough to have received the, the new face trimmer from Manscaped. The handyman i believe it's called i, I think because the Mole 4.0 right. is on the screen it is the handyman it is a compact foil with a it's not a full-on razor edge it's i don't know how to describe it it is a clipper but it's like a smooth surface clipper so you can't cut yourself on it it just it just trims the hair and have you packed yours ready for your trip
3: I haven't packed for the trip, but I will be taking it, that's for sure.
2: Yeah, because it's it's I likened it to a lightsaber for facial hairs of up to three days of stubble because I just touched my cheek and it was just it was all gone. It was just vaporized. My face was yeah. fine, there was no burning. Don't worry, Rush Nation. The handyman will not eviscerate your face. But what it will do is get rid of stubble up to three days in length. So, if you trim that, uh, team it with the hedge trimmer, then there's a beard 100% locked down all the time. If you work in an office, this thing must be an absolute godsend. I'm lucky enough, I'm a woodsman. I don't need to look preen and pristine every day. I very rarely do my hair. My beard is trimmed maybe once a week, but I can imagine if you do work in an office, I think this is the best Manscaped product for you because keeping that stubble down low every single day especially now people are going back to the office is an absolute game changer. So I can only imagine it would shorten your time of manscaping. So head over to manscape.com. Use the code five yard, get yourself a handyman, a weed whacker, a lawnmower, hedge trimmer, balms, creams, potions. Use the code five yard to get 20% off and free international shipping. Your other half will thank us. And so will your face because it won't have all those ingrowing hairs and all that nastiness, because this thing is pure. Right, Murph. What are we talking about for the next 14 minutes, 20 seconds?
3: Uh, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about rankings. Cause like, we don't do, uh, I don't talk about my rankings too, uh, publicly, but I figured it's a good time to to talk about them. I can even pull them up here on the screen. So for those who are watching on the YouTube, that's right. I said the YouTube. <laughs>
2: If you're watching on the YouTube, I mean YouTube. if you are watching on the YouTube, please do hit the like and subscribe button and the little bell. That really helps us out. And it also notifies you when we go live, which is a big deal because you get to see our cleanly trimmed faces with the with the beer thing. These rankings are from the Five Yard Rush website. So head over to fiveyardrush.co.uk for a load of articles, waiver wire, start, sit decisions, and of course Murph's rankings, which are easy to find because they're on the drop-down. I am not going to attempt to read them off my phone in front of me, Murph, because they are tinier than the tiniest thing that was ever tinied. I'm going to use my other screen. Where do you want to start? What do you want to talk about?
3: Well, I, I guess like I, I've got them up here. I I guess I'd, I'd throw it over to you. Is there anything here that you think is? We'll start with the quarterback position. Is there anything here that you think is uh, particularly wacky or or bold? Um, I think the only I, one.
2: I Go ahead. I. Genuinely, after last week's, I jumped on late last week, didn't I? And we started talking about projection numbers and then using rankings and stuff that you thought would be a viable. I had uh, a couple of dilemmas today in one of my big home leagues and my quarterback situation is atrocious. I've got uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers and Kyler Murray on IR. So my quarterbacks this week are Gino, who's on bye, Sam Howell. Uh, Kenny Pickett which is never going to be a thing or I picked up Josh Dobbs so it was going to be Josh Dobbs or uh, Sam Howe and I looked at your rankings and you've got Sam Howe well four spots three spots ahead of Josh Dobbs so I I, I trust your judgment here and I'm going to go with the upside of Sam Howe and Eric the enemy but yeah I think,
3: the, I think it's matchup um I would pre- pretty much have Sam Howe a little bit lower normally, but they're playing the Bears who have lost 13 consecutive games. And you have to take that into some form of, um, <laughs> some form of, uh, of, I just think Washington haven't looked too bad. They're quite happy to let Sam Howe throw the ball. He, he had a game where he threw four interceptions and they were quite happy to let him continue throwing the ball. Um, I think Josh Dobbs offers you a safer floor. Uh, he'll run well. I, I, I'm, I don't know why I'm still optimistic. There'll be some form of Cincy renaissance at some point. Um, I can't see them putting up three points every game like they have done twice this season. So I, I I think like for me, I'm going with how I like the matchup tonight against Chicago, Chicago are poor. The the They should win the game. The only thing I think that could cap how is if they get too far in front and, um, But also, you know, the Bears like to turn the ball over. Uh, Justin Fields likes to turn the ball over. I think Sam Howell will work with some short fields. Um, They don't tend to rush in too many touchdowns. They do tend to throw it out a bit more. So I like Howell this week. um, I've got him just outside the top 12. Um, You know, the, the consensus has him at 12. I am slightly lower because I've got CJ Stroud at 10. Um, where I am over consensus, I don't quite understand what CJ Stroud has to do to be considered a top ten pick. For me, he is like he's throwing for three hundred yards, he's throwing multiple touchdowns per game, and he hasn't thrown an interception. Like at what point do we say that CJ Stroud is not a top? Like he, he's got to be a top ten player. Like I've got him at the bottom of that, and I and I'm seeming to be aggressive on those ranks where I've got him at ten. Um, but I can't put him above these quarterbacks at this moment, but I think he's very close. Like, I don't think he's going to be too far from Trevor Lawrence. I don't think he's going to be too far from Jared Goff. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting one as to why CJ Stroud is still being ranked outside the top 12. Cause I can't find uh, 11, 12 better quarterbacks than him right now in football. <laughs> uh, I mean, Joe Burrow is a better quarterback. He's not playing well. He's hurt. That's why he's down at 14. Brock Purdy's playing very well. He's very efficient, but he's, not, you know, when you've got Christian McCaffrey going to run in multiple touchdowns, your upside's capped. You know, yep. all of these, you can make a case for, for that. But yeah, uh, yeah, that that's kind of, it is pretty chalky. There isn't too much. We know who's good. We know who's not good. And we know at the moment, the, the big thing I, I want to point out is if you're a Dak Prescott owner, I've got him at 20, which is in line with the consensus. Dak Prescott's best quarterback finish this week, this season is QB 18. So if no. you've got Dak, you probably need a move on. Um Kellen Moore clearly had something in that uh, in that offense and this whole Mike McCarthy Dallas offense is yeah, not exciting. <laughs> um, is um is the rankings
2: doing a crazy twitching thing on your screen or is that just me?
3: I just clicked it over to running back.
2: Okay, so running back, talking of top 12, you've got Alvin Kamara at 12 Worst week back last week. Is that because he? you've got him at 12 purely based on the fact that he's going to catch 93 balls again?
3: Yeah, <laughs> that, that is pretty much it. You know, he, he clocked 13 receptions. No, uh, 14 targets uh, and 13 receptions last week. He did only amass like 37 or so yards. Like, it was horrific. But in PPR, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like if you're in a standard league he'd be way way down but he's not he you know we're playing this is a half point PPR he probably goes above Kyron (laughs) Williams for me because of that volume he's going to get he clearly they have a plan and um, you know the Bucks Saints game was closer than it should have been at times um but also you you know I don't know what is going on in in, in New Orleans. They've got um, New England this week. That New England D is, is the best part of their game. So you're going to see a, a very neutral game. You've got two offenses that aren't particularly firing that well at the moment. Both teams failed to score a touchdown last week. So I think they're going to rely on Kamara to make big plays in the short to medium game. So I think he's going to get targeted a lot. Uh, so that's why I've got him at 12.
2: Love it. Love it. Just looking through wide receivers to see if there's anything that confuses me or makes me feel, I mean, Puka Nakua, hey, yes, please. Uh, I did tell you at the beginning of this season he was going to be good.
3: <laughs> yeah, you did. did you I- you called it. Um, I, I'm going to provide, I'm glad you brought this up. If, 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 and it's trending it, at this point, if you look way, way down, people are going like, where's Cooper cup. Cooper cup is in my ranking, but he is quite a way down. Um, I effectively have him as like a holding, uh, place right now. There he's 56. I've got Cooper cup. Um, If Cooper Cup is going to play, all of this changes. Cooper Cup will shoot right up. I wouldn't make him. I would move Nakua way, not way down, but I would move Nakua probably to somewhere in the 20s. So this is at the moment, depending on Cooper Cup, either not being active or Cooper Cup having a very minimal role. If if, If Cooper Cup is going to play, Puka Nakua, for me, seems to be the player that will lose the most volume. Um, So he would drop down to the 20s, maybe even the 30s. Um, i need to see the practices. Cooper Cup is practicing. He's in the 21-day IR to return window, practice window. So they don't have to activate him this week. So he can practice all week, and they don't have to activate him. So just because he's practicing, it doesn't automatically mean he is playing. But the fact that he is practicing quite a bit suggests that the Rams want to get him on the field.
2: Fair enough. Uh, tight end is a hot mess, so we'll we'll skip that one straight out. Yeah,
3: there's not much really to say at, at tight end other than uh, Sam Laporte is good at football, and I whiffed on that one. Uh, I didn't really want to take too many rookie tight ends, but he's good, as is Jake Ferguson, by the way. Um,
2: yes, Jake so
3: Ferguson. So for me, I'm drawing a line here at seven. So like, if you picked up George Kittle, fine. You, know, you drafted him. If you got Dallas Goddard, up, fine. Like you'll play him, but really, this line here under <laughs> after Jake Ferguson is none of this matters. <laughs> <laughs> none, none of this overly. This is this is basically needs a touchdown to be relevant. All of this needs a touchdown to be relevant. Um, there are some players here that you can look at touchdowns this week. Hunter Henry at home versus New Orleans looks a good touchdown bet. Um, Logan Thomas at home versus Chicago. Looks a good touchdown bet. Um, You know, there's a couple of these I would look at and think they're good touchdown bets. Um, Cole Komet against Washington. Probably not a bad touchdown bet, considering he got two last week. Um, You know, these guys are going to need touchdowns to be relevant. Dalton Shorts against Atlanta could be a half-decent touchdown bet. These are the sorts of guys I'd be looking at thinking – they're only relevant if it, I, and in the case of PPR, Zach Ertz will get enough volume for him to be okay. Not great, but okay. Um, but everyone else here needs a, needs a touchdown to be relevant. George Kittle's a bit of a mess right now. But that's Goddard's a bit of a mess right now. Uh, and then Carpets, by the way, at 19, <laughs> which I've got him grossly under the um, the consensus and yet he's currently the tight end 28. So go work out why I'm sort of well off there, but anyway, I can't rank him higher than that. Yeah,
2: that's filthy. The ECR's wrong there. Okay. I, I, I'm i going to talk to <clears> this. <throat> We're going to finish this up with a DST question, Merv. Purely because in one of my home leagues, I have the Ravens and the Commanders, and you've got them at one and two. Yeah. If How close is that at one and two? And would you... If it was really close, would you be wanting to play the Ravens on Sunday as opposed to locking a score in tonight with the commanders? Or if you had both, would you be playing the Ravens? Oh.
3: Is Pitsy still watching?
2: <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't matter. I'm I'm not playing Pitsy and I own them no, both.
3: No 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 no. The reason why is of um, listen. The Ravens are number one for me because of the fact that Matt Canada is is the worst offensive coordinator in football. He's absolutely – he's nicking a living. He's absolutely nicking a living in football. The Steelers once again didn't score a touchdown. They once again did not have a game where they got 300 yards, let alone 400 yards of offense. And so for me, you've got – potentially you've got Mitchell Trubisky playing this game because we don't know if Kenny Pickett is going to be fit to go. Um, <laughs> so you've got Mitchell Trubisky. With no Deontay Johnson, with no run game discernible in this offense, there's going to be turnovers for the Ravens here. Having said that, the Washington Commanders against Justin Fields, who is a turnover machine, is also a really attractive bet. I think it's close. I can see the logic of waiting till Sunday. It gives you more options. Um, I don't think you can go wrong playing either either defense. If I'm if I'm brutally honest, I think. <laughs> um i think both of them are gonna do okay and uh, for me it's about turnover opportunity i think potentially the commander so i i think first of all i think the ravens will end up with more sacks i think they'll end up conceding less points i think the commanders will give up more points won't get as many sacks because of the, the nature of fields which is why i have the ravens ahead because i i see than building more stability of points. The things that are like near certs, uh, sacks and points, um, I, that's where like my tiebreakers are, the Ravens. But if I was looking for the ceiling play, I would probably go with the commanders because I think the commanders could turn over uh, Justin Fields and the Bears three, four times. That, that is in the range of outcomes. But you would need that to happen for them to be better than the Ravens.
2: Yeah, that's fair.
3: So I think it's it's one of those. If you're looking for the safe play, like, they're, they're both going to be good plays this week. Like, don't get me wrong. But if you're looking for the, I want to bank potentially 10 points from my D, I think you go with the Ravens. If you want to go with the, I want a D that could potentially put 20 points on the board, it's probably the commanders who are going to be more likely to do that than the Ravens. Okay. That hasn't really helped. My no, defense no, no, no.
2: The defensive scoring is squiffy as well. You get three points per sack. so.
3: Oh, well, there you go. Then I would go with the Bills. Um, the Ravens. <laughs> I
2: don't have the Bills.
3: <laughs> no, no, I'd go with the Ravens. I'd go with the Ravens because if it's three points per sack, I think they're going to attribute more sacks. Because if you think about it just from a logical perspective, Justin Fields is a very elusive. He does get sacked. He gets sacked a fair bit, but he is an elusive quarterback. Yeah. You're relying on that pass rush to get home accurately every single time. Whereas you're not – Whereas Mitchell Chabitsky's wooden pocket passer. The offensive line's, uh, the, the offensive line's not great. Um, I think you're going to see the Ravens get home quite a few times on on Sunday.
2: No, that's fair. Thank you for your help. Seabrush Nation, this is the sort of help you can get if you are a Patreon. Murph has a WhatsApp chat, which you can ask these sorts of questions. If you do want to support the podcast, should have done this more than an hour in. Do support the podcast over at Patreon. We have a tier for $1 a month, Murph. So
3: one pound a month.
2: One pound a month. So that's that's it's what a quarter of a cup of coffee these days, something stupid like that. It's not gonna it's not gonna financially cover you. But we are in tough times, so we do understand. Anything else you want to cover before we jet, big man? You said you wanted to do an hour, we've gone over. Apologies for my DST question.
3: No, my fault. I always talk too much. Uh no, just uh keep up with everything we're doing over at Fiverr Rush. some amazing writers putting out some amazing content every single week um and stay tuned for next week where we'll talk about how you can join our mid-season league so if you've got a league that's not doing very well um or (laughs) all your leagues aren't doing very well and you want to still have a shot at glory this season um check out next week's show we will be talking about uh new leagues um a new league that we're setting up for mid season, uh, it'll be an elimination league. So worst team uh, each week will get eliminated. Um, so a bit of fun. Uh, also check out the FFCC, uh, if you're still in that, uh, down to the last 64 of the world championship main event, and also the intercontinental plate. If you don't know what the intercontinental plate is, it's new for this year. I kept it completely under wraps until after the season started, uh, after the tournament started, uh, cause I wanted to be evil and have a little bit of a nice little twist. um, Last sixty-four of that as well. So if you were eliminated in the first week of the FFCC, you get automatically put into the plate. Some people still didn't know that despite all the messages I send out. So check out everything on Fire Rush. All the brackets and everything are there, as well as rankings, as you can see on the screen.
2: That means oh, I'm yeah. in the cup. That means I'm in the cup.
3: Didn't you're even know. Sh- yeah, you're in the. Sh- yeah, mate, you're in the plate. How did you not know? You're in the plate. You won your matchup this week as well in the plate. Oh, did I? Yeah. Oh, well, my
2: score was awful this week as well. No, you squeaked through. Just. Was After absolutely pounding it the week before or whenever last week. Oh, well, that's good news. Uh, shout out to two of my um, home league mates. Stormo still in the FFCC as far as he's got. So he's very excited about that. And then Simon, I think, is, is in the cup. And he didn't know he was in the cup because so he didn't know what the cup was. And now
3: I can tell him. Read, read, read the... Sleeper chats. I even emailed it. I emailed it. I put I it like on sleeper. I put loads of updates on sleeper in every single FSCC division. So if you haven't checked out your sleeper division, then go check it out. All the messages are there. I post them at least once a week, sometimes twice. This week, you got two. And if you're in, if you've got an interdivisional matchup this week, It's even matched up for you on Sleeper for the next two weeks. I even went through and matched up all the people in the same division are playing each other in the next two weeks. So it's even easier to follow the scoring.
2: There you go, Rush Nation. That's going to do it for today's show. Murph, if you could hit the outro button because I can't see it on my phone, that would be massively appreciated. But Rush Nation, don't forget, follow the podcast on X slash Twitter or whatever Musk is doing with it these days at 5-Hour Rush. You can follow the big man at Murph underscore NFL. Do support the podcast on Patreon. Check out most rankings on the website, which is fiveyardrush.co.uk. Get yourself a new beard trimmer at manscaped.com with the code 5yard for 20% off international shipping. And Rush Nation, as always, don't forget, keep rushing.